All right. What's going on, everybody? This is Monero Mateo. Welcome to the channel. We are blessed to have somebody here from the Monero, or excuse me, the Haven community. Um, he is somebody who is a community outreach guy. He knows a little bit about the project. So we're happy to have him onto the program to teach us a little bit about this promising project. So, um, Hawk, how are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Excellent. Excellent. So um, I wanted to start off by just digging into the history of Haven. Um, from what I read, um, there were a few developers that started the project, and then I guess they dropped the project, and other developers said, hey, this seems like a pretty cool idea. Let's pick this back up. Uh, is that how it happened? What is sort of the timeline of the Haven project? Sure, sure. So I think there's enough history with Haven Protocol to to do a soap opera, which like any any good crypto project, we've had our fair share of drama and changes over the years, but um, that's the that's the gist of it. So um, the project was was launched, announced in 2018, um, and that was when the first two anonymous developers sort of came up with this light bulb moment idea of a of a truly private algorithmic stablecoin based on Monero. Um, that was the idea that got everybody interested in Haven um, and really sort of grew the community from the beginning. Um, and then it turned out that the idea was pretty hard, pretty complicated, uh, pretty difficult on the dev side to, to accomplish. Um, and so they toiled around for um, about a year in, in, in fits and starts and made made some good progress, but also um, you know didn't really have a full vision for how this could could work in the real world versus you know just on a white paper. Um, and they ended up leaving the project in um, around January of 2019, and and the community and the project kind of came to a crossroads where they said, "Look, this is the, the two guys that started this are leaving. They've they've abandoned the project. They've handed over the code that they've worked on so far, and they've said good luck. Does anybody want to keep this going?" And I think you know, really, the whole community came together and said, "No, look, the idea is too important, too interesting um, to just." to just abandon and recognizing that it's hard, we should figure out a way to do it. And that's when the, the lead pro of the project um, stepped up, who, he was a member of the community at the time. Um, Dweeb is his Discord handle. He has a public profile too. Um, and a couple of developers who are part of the community stepped up and said, no, let's, let's take this over as a community, figure out how to, uh, to solve the problems that the first two developers couldn't solve and make this something that could be sustainable long-term because the idea, the concept is, is too important to walk away from. So that, that is kind of the history. Yeah, I totally agree. And the concept is basically to have uh, offshore banking pretty much. Right. And yeah. That, that, yeah. Yeah. We're going into an article yesterday where it was talking about because of the new regulations that they're looking to put on banks where the IRS is, I guess, going to be tracking people who have over $600 in their bank account and given inflation and everything else that's going on, that's not that much. And who knows how they're going to do this logistically, but it's said in one of the articles, this is going to significantly increase demand for offshore banking. And I thought, huh, offshore banking, there's a project like that in the crypto community. <laughs> what right. is that? And so, yeah, there's a very important demand for this. I think that's going to be coming in the future. And right. so it's good that you guys are working on this, but um, so that's a cool, interesting history that's sort of in alignment with this cypherpunk culture. There's a cool problem to solve. Let's just try to 
solve it, you know, just because yeah. we like to solve complicated things. Um, but you guys are now going into Haven 2.0, correct? Yep. What's behind that? Sure. So it would probably help to give you a, a little bit of history of how we got from, you know, sort of January 2019 when the community took over the project to, to where we are now. So if I could take a couple minutes and walk through that, I think it, it might make a lot more sense to people who are new to the project. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, after the community took things over, um, you know, it was several months of, of development work that you know was really slow it was it, it was a really hard problem to solve and and the key for haven is you know that the goal is to build an ecosystem of private stable assets that are based on monero based on top built on top of monero um that are you know controlled only by the user in their vault right an offshore bank was our was the first tagline for the project your own offshore bank and it and it still makes sense i think the idea is that, um, you know, as Monero has sort of set the gold standard for what privacy looks like in crypto, um, the thing that many people still want are some option to also have stable value in their assets, whether it's value based on USD or fiat, whether it's value based on Bitcoin or something else. Um, they wanted to have privacy while also being able to opt out of volatility. And that's sort of the idea behind a private algorithmic stablecoin inside an ecosystem that's controlled by you um, that takes advantage of all of Monero's incredible privacy innovations. So as they started building that, um, you know, they realized that the first problem was that they didn't have a solution that would allow multiple assets to exist on the Monero chain. And this is sort of loosely described as the, the colored coins implementation where you can have multiple assets uh, you know, representing real world assets in, in a stable way on one chain. And actually this was something that was proposed originally to be built on top of Bitcoin, but when Ethereum and ERC20, you know, took off, it sort of became irrelevant um, for the for the Bitcoin community. Um, and that's basically what our, our developers spent a year building. Um, they created a new proof on top of Monero that uh, could prove values between um, different types of assets on one chain. Um, and the first asset that they launched was our, our private stablecoin XUSD, which is a USD stablecoin on the, the Haven network. That was launched in July of 2020. So it was really like a year and a half or so before XUSD was launched. I think in the first testnet that we did with XUSD was probably a year after the community took over the project. And it was a ton of work. It was a small team, no real, um, you know, financial backing from anybody other than the resources that we have as a project. Um, but it was a really exciting thing. So it was last summer we launched XUSD, allows you to um, burn XHV for the dollar value equivalent of XUSD, all in your own vaults, private private vaults, no third parties, no exchanges, no middlemen, um, and that was probably the biggest milestone for the project was last summer and. Between last summer and this summer, um, the use of XUSD grew pretty significantly. It was, it was really incredible to see. And I think as of um, when, when we looked at it last back in June, there had been around 160 million in transactions using XUSD, 160 million worth of XHV to XUSD conversions, which was incredible. So the growth was really cool to see. And that's when we started launching additional private assets. Um, 
uh, other uh, stable coins based on you know X Euro, um, X GBP pound and silver, gold, and we had a synthetic Bitcoin as well, which we can get into. Um, and so that year of year and a half of development led to the launch of XUSD, which led to this growth, which led to the launch of other assets. And then the probably the second biggest thing to happen to Haven, other than the uh, first two developers walking away, um, was the attacks that we had this summer. So uh, around the end of June, uh, there were a few different attacks that were launched against the protocol that were pretty sophisticated, that took advantage of some things that we missed in the protocol. Um, and those forced us to shut down the conversions uh, that we use on chain to take a step back, uh, fix the attack vectors that um, we had missed before and sort of revamp how the protocol works, how secure it is, and um, you know the testing that, that we're gonna put into it to make sure that it's secure in the future. So when we talk about Haven 2.0, that's what we're gonna be launching next. And we're, we're a couple months into developing essentially a new proof um, that would get rid of the attack vectors that were used this summer, make the protocol more secure, and that's what we're looking to launch um, in, in the next few weeks, hopefully, if everything goes well. We've made a ton of progress on that front. So when you think of Haven 2.0, it's not it's the same chain, it's the same coin, same ticker, um, but it is it is sort of the new version of our code base that is gonna uh, hopefully make it more secure and and um, battle tested for the for the long term. Very good. And you guys are working with new programmers on that, right? I believe that you guys took on Sarang, who has worked on the Monero protocol, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Yeah. So we've we've contracted with with Cypherstack, which is a full team um, that has some really obviously deep experience in Monero, probably the best uh, minds on Monero's development and, and the math really behind um, Monero's validation structure, which is what we focus the most on. Right. So mm -hmm. we were fortunate enough to be able to just take the base layer of Monero and build Haven's mint and burn stablecoin protocol on top of it. But we also were able to take parts of the, the proof and the validation that Monero uses for its transactions and build a proof for our mint and burn conversions. And we did, we did this first proof when we launched XUSD. Um, and what we realized after the attacks that happened this summer was that we needed an additional proof that not only proved the value of the assets that were being converted to XUSD versus XHV versus XBTC or any of the other private assets that Haven has, um, but the the type of transaction that was that was being converted and the the proof of value is what you know got us there, which we were able to have a ton of help in sort of putting that together. And now as we're developing this um, this new validation, we we were working really well with CypherStack, and they've offered a ton of really helpful feedback on our both the logic for the proof and then the code that we're going to use to implement that logic. So we're really fortunate to have them working with us and uh, couldn't be happier to have uh, a lot of great Monero mines um, taking a look at this issue. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I think that's really instilling a lot of confidence in the project uh, because Stickler is about privacy. Like some people that I follow on Twitter, like Seth for privacy and untraceable and some other uh, folks in the Monero space. Uh, they're very excited about that development and uh, that bodes pretty positive things coming into the future. 
Um, so you had mentioned X US dollar. Uh, first off, I'd be yep. very interested to see what the flows for the last couple of days are into X US dollar because of all the volatility, <laughs> everything going on with Evergrande. And I had mentioned this in my video yesterday too, where we looked at the chart on Trade Ogre for the X US dollar. And you know, you had Monero down like 13%, you had Bitcoin down 10%. X US dollar was pretty stable. And so that definitely uh, proved itself and its worth in a very um, challenging test as far as liquidity is concerned, as far as market volatility is concerned. Looks like it was able to maintain its value, which is pretty good. So I want to talk about how that happens, uh, what the logistics behind that are. How do you guys link Haven Protocol to the value of the U.S. dollar? Sure. Yeah, I, th I think this would be good to go through. And just to clarify a couple things up front. So first is, you know, after after the protocol was attacked in June, one of the steps we took, um, which was an extreme step that we didn't want to take, but it necessitated um, uh, protecting the protocol and making sure that it, it, it could survive to see another day. One of the steps is we disabled conversions, right? So um, before XUSD existed on the Haven chain, it was one token. It was XHV, which essentially looked a lot like Monero. Um, when we built XUSD, we built a, a protocol on top of the Monero base layer that allows XHV to be uh, burned for the US dollar equivalent in XUSD. And that's mm -hmm. what created this algorithmic private stablecoin. I'll, I'll give you an example of how that works in a second. But um, after we were attacked, we shut down those conversions because the attack used a vector um, that manipulated uh, the value of mint and burn transactions. So since uh, the end of June, you haven't been able to burn X XHV for XUSD, unfortunately. Um, ah. But uh, you, you'll be able to when we launch Haven 2.0. And the idea is that there should there the process that is used to convert and burn XHV into XUSD should be as secure and stable as possible. And, and the protocol itself will only ever allow you um, to burn $1 worth of XHV for one XUSD. That is the promise of the protocol that we are trying to improve on, that we're trying to strengthen for the long term, because I think the, the, the things that we went through this summer showed that we had some vulnerabilities that had to be fixed. So that's what we're focused on right now. Um, but just to give you an example of how XUSD did work for, for about a year or so and how it's going to work in the next couple of weeks when we launch uh, Haven 2.0, I think it's helpful to just understand how an algorithmic stablecoin works. Um, and maybe I can just walk you through an example of, of how a user would do it in their, in their vault. Um, so let's say you had $10,000 in USD and you wanted to find a way to preserve that value in USD in a private way. Um, that is the, that is the, the protocol that Haven has. That is the, the selling point that we think is unique to the project, right? So you take your $10,000, uh, you go buy $10,000 worth of XHV at an exchange. Um, and let's say the price of Haven is around five bucks, which is close to where it is today or the last week or so. Um, that would give you 2000 XHV. So your $10,000 would, would give you 2000 XHV. You'd send that to your Haven vault and you'd immediately convert that into 10,000 XUSD. So you now have a completely private stable coin that represents the USD value that you had at the beginning of this process. And you didn't have, you bought that using an exchange, 
but you were able to convert it um, entirely in your wallet uh, without any other third parties. And the conversion is done by the protocol. So let's say then you want to go sometime later in the next couple of weeks or months, you want to go back to USD uh, for whatever reason. But obviously the price of XHB is volatile, like Monero is volatile, like Bitcoin is volatile. Um, and let's say it's gone up to $10. So you would do a transaction in your Haven vault and you would convert your 10,000 XUSD into uh, what would then be 1,000 XHB because the price of XHB doubled, you'd get half as much XH XHB back um, and you could sell that XHB on an exchange uh, for, for uh, fiat again. So that's sort of the process. Um, the idea is that you are able to manage and control your money in your vault on your own without anybody else um, on a single protocol, on a single chain with multiple assets. That's the idea. So we can get into sort of how to, um, you know, how price is determined, how we, we use oracles and all of that, because those are important parts of the protocol as well. But that, I think that gives you just an example of how to use, how people were using XUSD for the last year or so and how they'll be using it again soon. Right, and that's a good walkthrough because I know that when I was first digging into X uh, or XHV Haven, uh, and yep. I was trying to learn the background of the uh, of the project. I was like, "Okay, this sounds like a scam. Too complicated. I'm staying away from it." But <laughs> yeah. um, you know, you dig into it, it's actually a really genius concept. It's a really brilliant idea. Um, yeah. But as we you call said, it the it's Haven so Rabbit Hole. Once you, once you hear it for the first time, you, you're going to go down a rabbit hole. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I brought out like the pen and paper. I'm like, let me do the math on this. This works. <laughs> but um, yeah, it seems like a very ingenious idea. But as you talked about, very complicated in code, I'm sure, uh, yes. to put into practice. So absolutely. Um, with that said, I want to talk about oracles for a sec because I think that you guys use Chainlink, who Correct. I'm sure a lot of our viewers are familiar with, um, is an oracle for a lot of different DeFi projects. You guys use Chainlink in order to connect these X assets to the dollar values outside of the protocol, I think, right? right? That's correct. So yep. how does that work? Um, right. Are you guys so, maybe thinking about using a private Oracle in the future? Because I know some people have concerns about Chainlink. Sure. So we have been using Chainlink since the launch of XUSD. And, and as far as standards in, in uh, DeFi, they are, they are the gold standard for Oracles. I think that doesn't mean that there can't be you know, better solutions, more innovations that are built on top of Chainlink. But until there are, um, Chainlink is one of the you know, most secure Oracle services that we have. And, and I think it's important to separate, you know, what Chainlink does for the protocol versus what the protocol provides to the user. And what Chainlink does is you can go on Chainlink's feeds right now and you can see they have an XHV price feed. Uh, and in addition to the dozens of other um, oracles that they have set up for lots of other projects in, in crypto and DeFi, there is a Haven protocol price feed. And that price feed uh, draws uh, every two minutes the average price of XHV across all the exchanges that Haven is listed on. Um, and then what happens is our protocol draws in that price that is reported by Chainlink's decentralized oracles. Right. So they have, uh, I think, a dozen or so uh, pricing feeds that go into the average price that they report. And that price is pulled by our pricing or our uh, protocol. And it creates what's called a pricing record. And the pricing record basically states for every block in Haven, this was the price in real time of XHV. 
and it's mm. it may be off by a couple cents here or there based on you know the the few seconds of fluctuation of the price of XHV, but it is a real time reporting of the price that's then used to calculate how much XUSD you're going to get when you burn XHV. So it doesn't impact anything about the private nature of Haven's transactions, the private nature of uh, Haven addresses or balances, right? It is simply the mechanism that's used to create a price that is put into the, the, the header of each block so that the protocol knows how much XUSD to give you when you burn XHV. Um, I, it is, you know, we're really proud of sort of how that partnership with Chainlink has worked because I think it has been a really successful example of how an Oracle should be used in DeFi. Um, that being said, I, we know that there are going to be more innovations that are being built right now in the Oracle space. I think that they're going to focus on how you further decentralize the reporting of price. Um, you know, we've never seen Chainlink's Oracle for Haven uh, be used in any way, manipulated in any way um, that would change the, the price that gets reported to our protocol. But that doesn't mean it couldn't happen. And it's something that is top of mind for us, given how important that interaction is between the protocol and the Oracle that it uses to, to determine price. Um, so I, I think that's the best way to sum it up. I, there are a lot of cool Oracle projects out there that we're, that we're looking at. And I think in a perfect world, we would have a completely decentralized, not managed by any one person, Oracle that is entirely private in nature. Um, but unfortunately, it just doesn't exist today. And this is the this is you know it, it is an our project is at its core, like a lot of other crypto projects, an experiment. And this is the best version of the experiment that we've been able to develop so far. And we're going to continue improving it and making it stronger over time. Right. Well, I think that's very intellectually honest. Uh, you know, you guys are just working with what you have. You are where you are. Hopefully that there are uh, there are advancements in the future which allow you to branch off and make it more private and updated for sure. Um, given that it updates every two minutes, is there a potential for arbitrage in volatile circumstances? Sure. Um, yeah. Or is that something which is just, again, you're working with what you're working with. Hopefully that improves into the future. Yep. Well, that is a good, that is a good question. And it brings up a topic about the protocol that is also important for people to understand. So when, when you look at the different ways that somebody could try to game this protocol and game the mint and burn capabilities of XHB, you could come up with a lot of scenarios where people could try and manipulate the price on an exchange, uh, manipulate manipulate um, how often they convert XHB into XUSD in their vaults, try and manipulate the Oracle itself, right? There's a bunch of different attack vectors there. And those are all things that we did really spend a ton of time thinking about at the beginning of this process, at the beginning of Haven 1.0, right? When we were building XUSD. And we came up with a couple different solutions that so far have, have mitigated all those attack vectors. And the first is that we don't actually use in the um, block header, the real-time chain link price as reported. We use a 24-hour moving average of that price. And that does a couple things. One, um, it does smooth out um, the volatile nature of our price given that Haven is still new and young and listed on relatively smaller exchanges, uh, right? We're not on uh, Binance, we're not on some of the larger tier one exchanges. So the price itself of Haven can move because the liquidity isn't isn't there um, in the way that you know a top fifty crypto might be. Mm -hmm. um, so it smooths that out a little bit. And the other thing it does is it prevents people 
um, from using frequent mint and burn transactions to take advantage of small price movements on Haven to, you know, artificially inflate their XUSD holdings uh, mm -hmm. in order to, to sort of manipulate the mint and burn process. So we use that 24 hour moving average that's built into the protocol. And the other thing that we have in the protocol are lock and unlock times. Essentially, when you burn XHV for XUSD based on the existing price of XHV as calculated by a 24 moving average, you have to wait a certain amount of time before you can reconvert that XUSD back into XHV or into something else. Um, so the there are a few different lock options that you have and they have different fees associated with them. But the, the short version is we feel like we've created a, a protocol that has a bunch of different checks and balances that the protocol deploys, right? This isn't something that, um, you know, the, the team or, or the project or some centralized entity goes in and, you know, changes every five minutes. This is something that's built into the protocol that every user will see in their vault when they go to exchange or, or um, convert XHV into XUSD and is meant to defend against that type of manipulation that would either try and manipulate the price of XHV to, to game the system or manipulate um, the price that's reported by the Oracle. So, um, Lots, we could probably have a whole separate conversation about how we came up with all those different um, checks on the protocol, but those are the ones that are in place that are probably the most important right now. That is fantastic. That is like really well said. Okay. Um, and maybe next time when you're on, we could dig into the deets of that, but we're just trying to get sure, a general yeah. overview. And I think that was really well said. Right. Um, but you had mentioned their fees. Um, yep. Now, I was speaking with Arctic Mine. And one of his concerns about the Haven protocol, and I believe he actually worked as a developer on the Haven protocol, one of his concerns about it was that development fee that you guys have. He says that that opens you guys up to uh, you know, regulatory attack. Um, perhaps that makes you guys into more like a C5 project instead of a D5 project. How would you uh, address that concern? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that's accurate at all. Um, you know, the, the legal answer, as we understand it, is, you know, we we actually didn't start the project. Um, we don't issue tokens. We never hold tokens um, for any other entity. We don't receive fiat. We don't sell the tokens as a project. Um, so, I mean, we don't think that that risk is real. Um, I think certainly the, the regulatory risk in the stablecoin market is something that's very real that we pay attention to. But the use of a dev fee on our chain, I, I don't think that makes us that unusual. Um, it's not something that we want to keep for the long term. It's not an optimal way to fund the project. Um, and if you look at the first year and a half of, of you know, the existence of the project, I think it paid our developers like a couple hundred bucks a month, right? Like it wasn't a sustainable way to keep some of the best minds in Monero building on our project. It doesn't make sense. And yeah. I, it, it's definitely our plan over time to phase it out, get rid of it entirely. Un, I'm unclear when and how that'll happen, but that is our goal. We don't want to use it as a way to fund the project, but we don't think it poses that, that, that type of legal risk that you just described. So do you have it now partially because it plays into uh, your capacity to hedge against arbitrage, like we were talking about before? It's a disincentivized... Uh, or, or it's something to disincentivize people to switch from their X assets into Haven uh, consistently and frequently. Are you talking about the the development fee that's on the mining rewards or the the conversion fees that users pay? Because those are two separate things, right? 
Okay, so I was talking about the conversion fee. So there's a uh, fee too okay. for the mining rewards. Yeah, so there's a five percent okay. um, fee on the mining rewards that goes into a, a, a dev wallet that has a public view key, and those are the funds that have been used to uh, pay our developers since the beginning of the project. The, okay. Right. There are there are separate fees um, that are used uh, that a user has to pay when they convert uh, XHV into XUSD, and generally. Uh, if you're using the default lock times, they tend to towards zero and they're not, uh, they are not large fees and they, there will be a percentage of those fees that gets paid back to miners as well. And then a percentage that gets paid back to the dev fund too. So I think the long-term view is that those conver conversion fees, if we do our job right and we um, launch and deploy a secure and accessible product, successful protocol that people want to use, um, that people do use because they value their privacy and they want to have, you know, you know, access to a, a network like Haven can offer. If we're doing our job, eventually over the long term, those conversion fees could be something that would sustain the development of the project. Um, again, this is all still an experiment that's in its infancy. So I wouldn't say that we've settled on a, a solution that's going to, you know, stay forever. Um, but those conversion fees are also something that goes to the development wallet that helps fund, you know, in addition to our you know, developers that we pay, um, all the other activities, exchange listings and marketing and lawyers and all that stuff, which, um, will probably never have enough resources just, just off of fees to cover all that stuff. But we yeah. try and we've, we've relied yeah. on a, a lot of generous community members who've given their own time free of charge and provided money. Uh, to help us fund some of that stuff too, in addition to the development fund. Fascinating, fascinating. So, a lot of it is voluntary. A lot of people. Most are of it is, yeah. Most of it is absolutely. Okay. So that's one reason why you could probably phase out the development fee. And when you talk to your lawyers, what do they say about the development tax? What do they say about all that? I mean, it's probably not something I can get into because I am not a lawyer, and I don't want to pretend to be a lawyer and then get an enough, answer that enough, some yeah. other lawyer would get upset about. But yeah, I, I mean, safe to say we we feel comfortable with with where we're at, um, and uh, you know, we're always thinking about those things because I think it's a, those are all fair questions to ask of a project. Um, but it is something that that is top of mind for us. Very cool. The fact that you're working with lawyers, I mean, that's more. Uh, legit than I initially anticipated. I thought this was totally <laughs> underground. I thought you this can, was like, you know, you Russian can't avoid lawyers. You can never avoid them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So that's great to hear. That's uh, really positive. So you had mentioned a little bit mining. You're talking about the fees on top of mining. And from what I researched, you guys use Kryptonite, I believe, right. for mining. Yep. We now, how does yep. that differ from uh, RandomX in Monero? So I will... I will start this answer by saying I am absolutely the wrong person on our team to give you a detailed answer, but I can give you my, like, explain it to a fifth grader understanding of how it works. Uh, so we, we do use a variant of Kryptonite, Kryptonite Haven, um, which is a proof of work algorithm. Uh, so uh, Kryptonite Haven is ASIC resistant. And I believe the difference is it's GPU efficient versus random X, which is what Monero uses, which is CPU efficient. Um, I'll hold on. My, my AirPods just died. Hold on one second. Can you still hear me at all? Yeah, perfect. Can you hear me? Oh, there we go. Sorry. My AirPods just died. Of course, right in the middle of my sentence. All good. All good. Okay, there we go. 
Um, where was I? Yeah, so our, our variant is a little bit different than RandomX, um, but they're, they're, they share a lot of similarities. I mean, they can be mined through pools um, or you can use it to mine solo if you have enough hash rate. I think the biggest difference is the protocol itself. So right in Monero, you're mining XMR block rewards. And in Haven, you're mining XHV block rewards plus the X asset uh, conversion fees, um, which will be end up being split between miners and the governance wallet. So you're also mining an additional uh, reward and the miners benefit from the usage of the protocol itself, right? Actually using um, XH, minting uh, XUSD and burning XHV and vice versa, miners benefit from that as well. So, um, And that's interesting because... One of the main concerns for a lot of these projects is that uh, as the halving continues, as you move towards that final limitation on the coins that can be mined, newly mined, uh, that's going to disincentivize miners to continue to mine the project. Right. And so the fact that this minting is going to presumably continue uh, as long as you know civilization's running, right? I mean, yeah. therefore, miners are always going to be incentivized to continue to mine the project. Do that's, I have? Yeah, that's that right. Yeah, absolutely. That's the goal. And I think I mean, one thing, A, we follow Monero's emission schedule. So we do have a tail emission after the original emission is done, a small tail emission, which will continue to incentivize mining. But yes, if again, if we're doing our job and we've built um, a, a, an ecosystem of private stable assets that people actually want to use over the long term, it should be a really attractive project for miners as well. That's amazing. That's really cool. Um very, very cool. Very, very cool. What else do I got for you? So one more uh, concern that I got from somebody who is into the Xano project. Um, he says that you guys run off three Amazon servers. Uh, he is concerned about this as being a central point of failure. Um, I'm not so familiar with how even that ties into crypto projects, but he brought this concern up to me. He wanted me to ask you. So what are your thoughts about that? Is this not correct? Is this FUD? Yeah, it, it's a good question to ask. It is absolutely not correct. Um, so okay. we don't use AWS. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to go too much into sort of the details of our OPSEC, but sure. if to sure. say it's something that's important for people to ask about, I, I mean, I, it, it is, you know, we are a small project working on a big idea uh, that, is certainly going to take time to mature and to grow as we've seen over the last couple of months of the, the fits and starts that we've had. Um, and you know, the, our goal long-term is to become completely decentralized, not run by a team, uh, but, but run by the network that supports, uh, uh, the, the users that support the Haven network. Uh, we're not there yet. We, we are a little bit centralized and we're happy to admit that because that's the only way that we've been able to sort of deploy um, different versions of the protocol and grow and innovate on top of what we already built. And long-term, we want to be perfectly decentralized. Right now, we're not. So there are some things that remain in the team's control, and we're actively working on solutions to get them out of the team's control. Um, but in terms of, like, do we run on three AWS servers, that, that is not true. Um, we have a lot more redundancies and protections built in than that. Um, and we feel it is as secure as it can be right now. Uh, the things like the pricing record and our seed nodes and the Explorer and the website and our wallets and all that stuff. Um, but that doesn't mean that we can't make it more secure and eventually work to decentralize it further, which we do want to do. Very cool. You're making me just want to get on Trado right now and just completely, 
hey, bag up. That's great. That's great. Trade Ogre, Trade Ogre, one of the, I think, the first exchange that listed us at the very beginning. Um, and you may not know it by like their UI, but they are one of the most reliable anonymous exchanges out there. So shout out to whoever the one person <laughs> or five people are that run Trader. It's a great exchange. That's amazing. I keep hearing people say, yeah, Trader, that one sketchy exchange, which just never seems to exit scam you, which is amazing. We amazing. I've used it for three years now and have never had a problem. And the only problems I've had being like, Hey, this transaction didn't confirm, um, got answers and help immediately. So better than I can say for most other like big centralized exchanges that um, don't have good customer service. So they're great. Right. Better than Coinbase. I mean, if <laughs> Trade Ogre wanted to link up my bank account so that I could put fiat on there, I'd be like, sure, go ahead. <laughs> better than Coinbase. Then they'd have to hire lawyers probably. Yeah, probably, probably. Um, so let's get to the fun stuff. There are some uh, good things happening for Haven right now. Um, before all the crazy stuff happened in June, um, this is probably still the case, but you guys were working with uh, ThorChain to yes. yeah. build things up and to expand the operations. So could you give us some detail on that exciting development? Sure, yeah. So this was, you know, the integration with ThorChain uh, was probably priority number one before um, these attacks in, in June and, and it's, it's priority one a, and, and the reason, I mean, after we, after the launch of our, our 2.0 and this new validation that we're working on and an overall more sort of secure, uh, attack proof code base, which is our first priority right now. Um, the next priority is this integration. And, and the reason is, I mean, we really think that in most of our community, most of our team feels this way that, the future of crypto is in decentralized exchanges. I think you're seeing um, a big shift in the way that, that centralized exchanges um, deal with their users, uh, require from their users, ask of their users. And most of it is horribly invasive and, and doesn't protect people's privacy. In fact, it's the opposite, right? Um, and, in, and in addition to that, I think you know, all these steps that centralized exchanges have done to, to crack down and, and, and get people's information um, have also made them less likely to list and support and promote projects that care about privacy. Um, there's a reason Monero is not listed on Coinbase. I think it's pretty obvious. And right. I, that is a troubling trend. I mean, to be honest, though, that's one of the reasons that we all got involved in Haven in the beginning was you can you could have sort, sort of seen this trend come in. Um, a mile away, and we're starting to see it become a little more real uh, these days. So the idea behind projects like ThorChain is that you can have a completely decentralized exchange experience that allow you to swap one layer one crypto for another layer one crypto. And right now that can only really be done in a centralized way. Um, but ThorChain has proven that there is a model that can work um, as a decentralized exchange. And they've they have launched um, their first mainnet that allows you to swap, you know, native Ethereum from native Bitcoin, native BSC for uh, native Bitcoin, and back and forth between these native chains uh, without having to rely on a custodial exchange or some other third party. And they have an incredibly innovative um, setup. Probably the I, I think, uh, you know, our our opinion is that they have the the best decentralized exchange setup. There's Lots of other cool projects out there, but those there is just the most ambitious. Um, and really, the idea that ThorChain could enable someday somebody to um, exchange Bitcoin for XHV for Haven, um, all in their own wallet without any other um, custodians being involved, 
and then take their Haven and convert it into XUSD or any of the other X assets that we have. That's sort of the dream scenario for, for our project. Um, we need liquidity for our projects. We, we need our, our users to be able to access XHV, um, to buy it if they want to convert into XUSD um, and to sell it if they want to uh, leave XUSD and go back into fiat. We want them to have all those options or to go back into Bitcoin or any other crypto. And right now, the only way that they can do that is on centralized exchanges and for the most part, um, smaller centralized exchanges. So building Haven integrations into projects like ThorChain is really sort of the, the top priority. Aside from having a secure protocol that works, that people trust, that's really sort of our, our next priority. And we're really excited about what ThorChain um, is bringing to the table. No, that is super exciting um, because like you said, if you want to get into private XUS dollars or X assets, like you're talking about, yep. uh, you probably have to go through some centralized exchange if you have Bitcoin or if you have other cryptos. And yep. so Thorchain is going to be very uh, essential to that. And I think uh, Manero is working on something called Haveno. I don't know if you've heard about that. Yes. Yep. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? That looks like a really promising project with atomic swaps and peer-to-peer -peer decentralized exchange. Um, if they can get that going, that's going to be key. Yeah, absolutely. We we like their name. Anything with Haven in the base of the name, <laughs> we're for. No, it, right. it's great. I mean, it's a good example of uh, Monero as a community always being interested in innovating and doing cool stuff that other people aren't doing. So we're, we're fully supportive. And I think you know the more decentralized exchanges, the better. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're we have a, a decentralized exchange called Polarity that we've worked with that is really cool. You should check out if you haven't already. Uh, that has uh, XUSD uh, capabilities. Uh, another exchange started by one of our community members is called Havex, H-A-V-X dot I-O. Um, that is a, not a decentralized exchange, but is a centralized version of a Haven exchange, which we think is something closer to what our users are looking for that, that is non-KYC. Um, so there's a bunch of different versions of decentralized exchange technologies, and the more the merrier. I mean, there needs to be more options so that people aren't funneled into centralized versions that control their information, control their money and control the choices that they have. That's really what we're trying to avoid. And I think, you know, we were excited that we had been working on the ThorChain integration for months and we had gotten to the point where, you know, we had working test swaps on, on a mock net, sending Haven to another chain uh, through ThorChain and really close to finishing up some of the other dev pieces that need to be done. So it was really close before um, before the attacks we had this summer that set us back in terms of timeline. Uh, but we're confident that once we, we launch Haven 2.0 and we have our protocol back online, working in a way that's secure, that, that users can trust, that ThorChain is going to be the next thing that, that we uh, focus on finishing. Very cool. Very cool. Very excited for that. Um, now, next question, and this is kind of out of left field. But this is something that I thought about before. I think I figured it out. It's kind of a koan, one of those Zen Buddhist koans. But like, um, if you've got X assets, and I think you guys are working on X stocks and X gold and silver and things like that, right? Yeah, we have yeah, X gold, we have X gold and X silver, uh, X AU, X AG. Um, we don't have anything that is like a, a, an X stock or some other, you know. Uh, tracker that tracks an ETF or something like that. We don't have any of those things, uh, but okay. we have we have ten assets: uh, XUSD, gold, silver, euro, yuan, X Bitcoin, 
the British pound, Australian dollar, uh, Swiss franc, and the the yen. Okay, very cool. So, what some people may ask is, they may say, okay, so you have all these X assets. And at some point, you're going to be able to trade these X assets on something like Thorchain right. or Haveno. What use does Haven have if I can just trade these X assets for different cryptos without having to go through Haven? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think it's one that uh, that a lot of people ask when, when they're first going down the Haven rabbit hole because the rabbit hole is deep. And there's, there's a, a lot of things to think about. But the first one to remember is that the only way XUSD and any X asset can be created is by burning XHV. It's the only way that those assets can be created. Now they can be traded and transferred and sent and shared um, all without having to deal with XHV. But the only way they're created is by burning XHV. And the only way to do that is to buy XHV, hold it, put it in your vault and convert it to the asset of your choice. Um, so there will always be a need for uh, XHV on the chain to be used as a way to get into and out of X assets. Now, that that ensures that you know we have a, a, a base token that A has value and B um, is something that people need and want to use. But over the long term, like you said, the goal is really to allow people to move in and out of these assets as easily as possible. So if that's through uh, a Thorchain wallet like Thorswap, Great. We want somebody to be able to trade their Bitcoin for XUSD in one transaction with nobody else involved and be done with it. That's what, exactly what we're looking for. And there's other decentralized exchanges that are going to allow you to do that. Um, we want all of those options to exist for our users. And I think the more options that exist, the more people that are going to be interested in, you know, converting their holdings into a private asset, a private stable coin, um, and trusting that those assets uh, maintain their value and are um, secure. But that doesn't change the fact that the base of, of the protocol XHV is always going to be needed to create those, uh, those assets um, and to grow the network in the future, if that makes sense. Right, so it's sort of backed by Haven. Um, all, yeah, so the yeah. easiest way to think about it is XUSD is backed by the value of Haven, whether Haven is trading at $5 or $500. It almost doesn't matter what the price of XHV is because it, it, you are going to be able to convert based on the dollar value of XHV. Um, so $1 worth of XHV, regardless of what the price it's trading at, is always going to be worth one XUSD in the protocol. And that is uh, how the protocol was created, how the proofs that it uses are constructed, and, and how it will always work in the future, right? That part won't change. Right. And the next question someone would have is, what if the dollar collapses? Uh, what happens then? Well, sure. I imagine it would then be tied to another asset like Bitcoin. It depends on, you know, what has the most liquidity, right? I mean, you cash it out maybe for Bitcoin or another asset uh, that people are willing to trade for it, I, I would yeah. presume. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we hope that we have set up a protocol in, in Haven that lives long enough to see the dollar not be the default currency for the world, right? <laughs> right. Uh, and if it doesn't, uh, we will have an asset on our network, a, a private stable asset on our network that reflects um, you know, the dominant currency. And we do have XBTC, which is our synthetic uh, private version of Bitcoin on Haven. Um, and we have these other uh, fiat currencies that I mentioned in addition to gold and silver. Um, but you know, after we get through this launch of Haven 2.0, and have some more time to start planning and developing what the future of the protocol is going to look like. You know, we're going to we're going to lean on our community 
to sort of help guide what those additional future assets should be. And there's been tons of ideas. I, I would encourage anybody listening to this to come into our Discord. Um, the our, our team and our community is on there every day talking about these ideas. And it's really why we're all involved in the project because we think it's uh, something just really interesting to think about and plan for. And that's that is one of the questions too that that we're always going to be thinking about in the future is what assets should we have on the network um, and what assets should we get rid of? Uh, what don't make sense? What, what do make sense? And that's what we sort of rely on our community to help us with. Right. And one of the great possibilities of all this, and first off, I just want to say that you can definitely judge a project to some degree by the quality of the discord and the quality of the community. And that's something that I've learned just sort of branching out to some of these other coins in the space, what we like to call the freedom coin space. You know, you've got Monero, you've got uh, Pirate Chain, you've got some of these others, right? Yeah. Um, I, the whole thing on our channel is we want all of these coins, all these projects to work synergistically Absolutely. for what I hope is our ultimate goal, which is freedom, which is financial liberty from this crazy economic system that they're setting up, right? Absolutely. But um, I do want to say, I was going to say something. Yes, one of the great opportunities that I think is out there for this is that this could turn into a way that you could be a trader and trade stocks maybe you guys get linked up with bonds who knows how far this could go and you could be totally private because if you were yeah. to be a trader on robin hood or something like that well they're tracking everything you do you're going to get a 1099 and all this other stuff now again no disclaimer i'm not saying you should do anything illegal blah 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 but uh that opens up that possibility for some people right i mean if you guys really expand this to the point where you could link up oracles with you know various different stocks various different uh commodities and things like this uh is that a possibility that you guys could become like a totally private exchange for whatever you know stock good or value that you want to trade it's absolutely a possibility and i think the the reason that we all got involved in haven and remain involved today and want to see it through to something that's successful long-term is because we think anything is possible on, on with this type of project, right? Um, we could essentially create any asset to track the price, any Haven asset to track the price of any external asset that our users wanted. I think long-term we'll have to think about whether or not stocks, equities make sense there, but it goes back to the principle of why somebody would want to use Haven. And that principle is really about who controls your money. And right now, for a lot of people, I would imagine the answer is a bank controls your money, an exchange controls your money, some other centralized entity that's not you um, controls your money. And we think it should be you. And, we, and, and whether you want to hold your money in dollars or in gold or in Bitcoin or in yen, um, we want to give people the tools to be able to control their money the way they want to in a way that's completely private. So that's what that that's what guides the the project as sort of our like our our long term thinking about how to um, how to manage the project, um, but it also opens up the possibilities of all sorts of different things that we could do with Haven's X assets in the future. And I, I think we're open to all those ideas, subject to um, you know what our community wants, what our community cares about, and then at the end of the day, what our what our lawyers tell us. But uh, it is it the possibilities really are endless with the protocol and the model that we, that we feel like we've built. Very well said. That is a beautiful vision, beautiful vision. Um, speaking of stable coins, we've heard a little bit about Oxen. You've probably heard about this project. They're trying to do a yes, private stable yeah. coin as well. Uh, it's a kind of cool thing over there. They've got private messaging as well. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about that project? What do you think about their developments with 
that? Because some people see you guys as competitors. Yeah. So uh, again, I, I will say up front, I am honestly not an expert on Oxen, um, but I, I've liked everything that I've seen and read about the project. So, right. It's not built on Monero. It's proof of stake as I understand it. Um, so it does not sort of inherit the, the, the Monero privacy protections. Um, and I, so I don't know what that means for, for, for its, is it private by default? I'm sure somebody smarter than I am can, can give me the answer to that question. Those are the things I'd want to find out. Um, uh, Session is obviously their messaging product, which I have used just a couple times, but it looks really cool. And obviously we could, everybody could benefit from more, um, more options in that space. Um, and I think on the, the stable coin, they have a model that is asset backed and, and not algorithmic. Right. But I, again, I don't know enough about it to, to judge it by the merits other than to say, I'm really happy that other people are interested in developing private stablecoin options. The more the merrier. We need more options in this space. People need to be able to, to have other ways to protect their privacy, whether it's via a stablecoin and, and you know, managing their wealth and their assets or whether it's messaging or something else. Um, so I, I'm rooting for that project and I hopefully I'll go learn more about it so I'm more informed. But um, I think this space needs more privacy innovation and not less. So more power to them. That that is the exact attitude we have here on this channel. Seriously, yeah. uh, we root for every single project. Now we're Monero first. We love Monero, but when it comes to you know smart contract projects like Darrow that want to do private smart contracts, Absolutely. or you guys that want to do X assets, like all this stuff is great. And the more that these projects succeed, the more that I think there's going to be a synergy and a growth of the entire space, which yeah. is good for humanity, which is good for everybody. In my yeah, opinion. I agree, and I think. You know, there's there's maximalists in every community, ours included, Monero's included. And I do think with the amount of time I've spent in, in all of these communities, I think the maximalists are in the minority. And I think most people that get involved in these projects uh, do it because they care about something. And for the most part, they care about you know protecting their information, um, having control over their money. And we all share that in common. And if, if there are new ideas and new innovations that can help all of us do that, I think for the most part, everybody in the Monero and the Haven community um, wants to see those things succeed. And I mean, I certainly do. And our team does, because um, I think it only makes this space more attractive to people that you know are looking for those options and don't know how to get into it, don't know what their options are. Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think Eric Voorhees is even getting excited about uh, what you and Thorchan are doing. So you're even bringing That's in some of the yeah. Bitcoin maxis, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, that's the success of the whole community coming together. So um, last question, my friend, thank you so much for the time. I mean, yeah, we've really learned a lot. I've learned a lot and it's really been a pleasure having you on, but what developments are you excited for the heaven protocol? What are you guys working on right now? Uh, what do you see in other communities that could tie into what you guys are doing that could really move you guys to the next level? Yeah. So, I mean, I think the thing that we're spending a hundred percent of our time on right now is, uh, is the launch of Haven 2.0 and and um, really what what we're trying to do after what was a, a really difficult summer of some sophisticated attacks launched against um, some attack vectors that we hadn't accounted for right that was a really tough thing to go through but as we look around the crypto space um, I, I think you know any crypto project that hasn't been attacked by some bad actor is probably not trying to solve a problem that's worth solving. Um, and I, I, not that we want to be attacked, but I think it, it, it's a good example of the reason that we're all involved in this project. And that's to make Haven as secure as possible so that more people can use it. 
Um, so what we're working out it, right now is our, our developers have written a, um, a second validation on top of the, the proof of value that's in our original white paper, which you can go read, uh, havenprotocol.org. It's our website. Um, the second validation is uh, going to prove through a formula and an algorithm the asset type that is being converted on chain um, in addition to the value of the asset that's being exchanged, which is the first proof that we had. Um, and we learned a lot of lessons over the last couple of months about um, you know, how to think like an adversary uh, and how to develop solutions that, that patch those attack vectors. And we have um, a really incredible uh, team over at CypherStack that is giving us feedback on this process and is helping us think through that logic that you know, hopefully after the deployment of, of, this new, of this new code base and this new validation, um, the protocol is even more secure and ready to, to take on these challenges. So launch of Haven 2.0, we're, um, uh, we've made a ton of progress and we hope to have some more news to report in the next, in the coming days, uh, if not weeks um, for that launch. And um, after we launch Haven 2.0, getting the protocol back up and running, spreading the word about Haven, and then really the, the integration with ThorChain and expanding the liquidity of XHV into um, you know, other decentralized exchanges is really what we're focused on after, after security, after testing, after the launch of 2.0. Um, I think ThorChain is probably our, our, the next thing that we're really, really excited about. If you haven't checked out ThorChain, um, uh, really go do a deep dive on it. It's worth it. Do a deep dive on Haven first, but then uh, go check out. They're doing incredible stuff. Um, so, the, yeah, those are the two big things right now. Very cool. Very cool. Well, uh, where can people go to become part of the community? You had mentioned the Discord earlier. You had mentioned yeah. the Haven website. Where would you suggest people go? Uh, start at the website, havenprotocol.org. Um, that's where you can set up a Haven Vault, uh, which is our, our version of a wallet. Uh, if you buy Haven XHV, you can send it to your vault and manage it there. Um, and that's where you, in your vault, is where you convert XHV into all these other assets if you want. Um, the website has a link to the Discord. We have uh, somewhere over 8,000, I think, active Discord, I mean, Discord members um, in a very active community. Uh, so if you have questions, if you need troubleshooting, uh, we've got a whole group of folks that, for the most part, are volunteers that will answer any question you have about how the protocol works or any problems you might have. Um, so go to Discord. That's the best place to find us. We have a Telegram as well. Um, the team is probably a little less active in Telegram, but we have a lot of great community members that are working on, on Telegram. And of course, Twitter, our Twitter handle is uh, HavenXHV, uh, where uh, we try and, uh, you know, be part of the conversation about how to promote privacy and, and educate people on their options in protecting their information, controlling their money, taking back control of their money. Um, we try to stay active on Twitter as well. So those are all good places to start. Well, very cool, my friend. Thank you so much for coming on to the channel and giving us the DL on everything going on with Haven. And I hope that you'll come back to give us updates when Haven yeah, sure. is complete and we could see what's going on from there. Yeah, likewise. Thanks for having us on. We, we'd love to come back. Um, uh, we are a project that plans to be around for a while. And uh, anytime we have something new to share, we'd love to come talk about it, answer questions, do a deep dive. Uh, because you guys are great and the Monero community is great. And we think that, uh, it's great to be able to support each other too. So thanks a lot. Very cool. All right. Well, thanks for coming on and we'll speak again soon. Sounds good. Thanks. All right.